0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles hunting podcast brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and on this podcast, you will find tons of relevant information that will help you become more successful in the field. You'll hear product information directly from the manufacturer and success stories from guys and gals just like you. Sit back, relax, and pour a stiff drink. This episode of the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast starts right Now. Here we go again. It's Friday, and welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras. Today, we are going to be joined by a lady out of, I don't even know if I'm supposed to say lady or if I'm supposed to say woman. I don't know what's appropriate anymore these days. So I will say female out of Tennessee. Uh, Her name is Amy Hall, and I have a really good BS conversation with her about getting kids into archery. She is an archery coach. Uh, We talk about CWD in Tennessee. We talk about uh, her encounter with an albino deer. We talk about um, an eight-point buck that she shot with her bow, and uh, we talk a little bit about social media and how uh, the news can kind of portray hunters as uh, an evil villain, sometimes so we talk a little bit about everything it's a really good podcast um so stick around for that now today's commercial is brought to you by ozonics you guys know i am a huge fan and supporter of ozone technology right ozonics has uh i've been using an ozonics for a very long time now and i use their entire system and i feel very confident in their entire system right um in the field, I'm using the ozone generator in the tree, right? Uh, I think I'm using the HR, uh, the HR 300. Um, I'm also using the. Uh, the dry wash bags in my garage after every show or after every hunt right after every hunt I take my uh, clothes off I put them in the dry wash bag I set the unit to dry wash cycle and then I go inside and I forget about it I charge my batteries and whatnot and the next day or the next hunt I take my clothes out of there and they smell fresh, they're clean, they're odor-free, they're bacteria-free, and every time I walk into the timber with that clothing on, I feel, I don't want to say I feel like I'm cheating, but I, I, I feel very confident that I have a A smaller scent profile every time I walk to my tree stands so that's a big thing when feeling confident about your scent control regimen and uh, man Ozonix plays a huge part in that so head on over to ozonixhunting.com and check out all the products that they have. If you have any questions, you can reach out to me, you can reach out to uh, the guys who work there, and they will happily, 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 happily answer any questions you have about their products or about how ozone technology works. Uh, they are now a direct-to-consumer company, so they're actually putting a ton of awesome technology into their products and there's no middleman man man taking a cut so you're getting more for your money now uh, again ozoticshunting.com for all your other information needs i think we've done the trick with this intro so this friday edition of the nine finger chronicles podcast with amy hall out of tennessee starts right now all right, today I am joined by Amy Hall. How you doing?
1: I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. It's a good day.
0: That's, a, that's right. It's a good day. I tell you what, in Iowa, the sun is shining consistently. This is two days in a row of sunshine in the state of Iowa, and I feel like tap dancing because it's not negative, you know, it's not <laughs> like negative 40 out or there's no wind chill today. It's just a, a beautiful day. And, uh, I'm ready for some of the snow to melt so I can get outside. And like, I, I, I literally am missing mowing my yard.
1: <laughs> See, we're, we're drowning down here in Tennessee. We, we have had two days of sunshine after, I think we've had 14 inches of rain in the last month. Whoa. Um, and so we're ready. We're ready to dry out too.
0: <laughs> yeah. I hear that. Yeah. I hear that. Yep. So before we get started, why don't you, uh, kind of tell everybody, where you're from, and what okay. do you do for a living?
1: okay, um, I'm from Middle Tennessee and uh started out in in West Tennessee, but then moved into Middle Tennessee as an adult and I'm a photographer um but I'm also an archery coach for one of our local schools and um and a mom
0: nice, and,
1: yeah, yeah. That's about it. That's the most important job, right? <laughs> it is. It really is. It really, I should have led with that.
0: Right. Right. All right. So, uh, photographer, what do you do? Like, just kind of everything, or do you focus more on like portraits and stuff like that?
1: I do everything but weddings. Oh. I leave. I leave weddings to the wedding professionals, yes. and um, I let them have their own their own day of it. Yeah. I would rather not do that. So. Everything else is fair game.
0: Yeah. I, I dabble in photography on the side and I have done two weddings and mm. I'm going to say this and I, I feel very confident about it. I will never <laughs> do another wedding again. It's just, it's, it's too crazy.
1: It's a little crazy. It is. There's a lot of pressure on that one.
0: Right. Um, right. Yeah. So let's see. Archery coach. Um, yes. Let's let's talk about that because that's on uh, the list of things I wanted to talk to you about today. Um, when I was in high school, we we had archery, but it mm-hmm. was okay. It's raining outside; we can't go outside for PE. Let's shoot at these targets for like a day, and that was it. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, yeah. So it sounds to me that there's been some kind of movement across uh, high schools throughout the nation that archery is becoming, or, or what like is becoming, or has been becoming more popular throughout the last handful of years.
1: Yes, it really has been the, um, the NASP program, which is the national archery schools program. Um, I believe it's in 47 states now. Um, in eight Canadian provinces. And then I believe it's in 11 countries. It's really taken off and starts in elementary school.
0: Nice. So where do you, where do you step in as a coach?
1: Um, I'm a volunteer, um, a a parental volunteer. I don't teach at the school. And so you just, there is a class that you go through that you certify everybody has to, whether you're a teacher or coach or, an RSO. Um, but all of the teachers right now, all of the teachers that I know in Tennessee, they are not paid. They volunteer their time to coach kids, okay. which is just amazing. Um, yeah. But I know that it's in, I believe it's around 14,000, 15,000 schools. It's growing every year. Um, it puts bows in the hands of 2 million plus kids every year um every year so that's that's, it's amazing it really is amazing
0: so let me ask you this um yeah is it like a is archery like a team sport let's say like football do they have an archery club or an archery team that goes around to different schools and competes or is this just like hey let's hang out and shoot our bows
1: no it's actually a team um a team sport it uh Let's see. So our schedule starts in September and ends at the end of March state. Um, the state tournament comes up in about three weeks and then world, the world tournament is, um, it's this summer. So it's, it's a real, um, competitive sport right now, all the way from elementary, my fourth and fifth graders are competing, uh, in multiple tournaments all year long.
0: Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, that would have been something I probably would have been interested in if they had it back in the day. Um, no kidding. <laughs> how How would, like, how did this start? I mean, how did it grow? I mean, how did you become involved in it?
1: I became involved with, I'm a bow hunter. Yep. And my daughter showed an interest in it. And we moved into a county that had archery in schools. Um, And so when she came to me and said, hey, mom, this starts next year. I'd like to think about it. And I said, that sounds amazing. And, uh, how can I get involved? And so the, the coaches, the RSO that we have, um, told me how to, what class that I needed to sign up for. You have to take a test. You have to go through, I believe it's an eight hour course and, um, and learn how to coach these kids in a safe way. They say that archery right now is the safest sport in schools other than table tennis, and you are handling a bow and arrow. Right. I mean, that's kind of amazing that the uh, the parameters that they've put in place have created such a safe environment that you hand a fourth grader a bow and an arrow, and it's safer than table tennis. Right. So.
0: Right. And they have, Pretty cool. you know, and they have some adults who are experienced with that equipment, teaching them and showing them what to do. Yes. I remember yes. when I got my first bow, uh, I got it taken away a couple of times because <laughs> I was, you know, instantly yeah. trying to do trick shots and all that stuff.
1: Yes. Yeah. There it's, I think that once I think fourth and fifth grade, you are really pushing the rules. You're really right. pushing the, um, all of the, the set things that you need to do, um, in order to be safe. Right. And, um, I think competition, even though we have competition in the elementary grades, I think that the true competition starts in middle school. And, um, and I think it's just, it's been amazing to see it, to see it grow as much as it has grown. Um, and to see your own kid love it and to make her love it so much that she's now interested in bow hunting that is a cool process.
0: Right, right. Yeah. So how I guess how does this how does it work? I'm interested in knowing um is it something that the kid becomes interested in uh you give them a piece of paper, they take it home to their uh their parents and their parents sign it just like every sport and then Uh, the organization provides them with the the equipment or the school provides them with the equipment that they need, or is this something that, uh, the parents have to fund?
1: No. Um, so our state, the state of Tennessee, um, it, it gives, it's almost like a scholarship to the program. If you want to start the program, you have to front a certain amount of money, but then they front a certain amount. There's a kit that a school will get with a certain number of targets, with a safety net behind it, with a certain number of Genesis bows um, and arrows. And so the school has it. The, the RSO or whoever the coach is introduces it during PE. So every kid has a chance in that school Uh, in the first month or two of school to put their hands on a bow, whether they're interested in it or not, they are introduced to it. And then uh, around the end of September, you have um, in elementary school, you have a parent meeting. If kids want to join, then the parents can come, they can hear all about it and get all the information and sign up.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So I read an article. This was a long time ago, um, back when the Hunger Games w- that those movies came out. Right, it was a, yeah. a, a while ago, a handful of years ago. And now all these girls wanted to get into archery and just like <laughs> and kids in general. But then there was like an extra part of this article that said that when when some of these schools would introduce archery into mm-hmm. their uh, into their schools that attendance overall attendance to school went up and i i don't know they said something like problematic incidences or something like that don't quote me on on that but would go down because archery was like people so many people took to archery and they wanted to be a part of it. So, you know, like football, you have to be, you have to have, have some type of athletic if you want to play and play a lot or basketball or baseball archery. You you don't even have, you don't have to do that.
1: No, no. I think, um, I think archery is one of those team sports that whether you're an outsider or an insider, whether you're the jock or you're the, um, the mathematician, it's something that you can get behind, whether you have a disability, whether you are, you know, no matter your race, no matter your, your sex, like no matter what, this is a sport that you can become a part of. And yeah, I do believe that it increases attendance. Um, you have to have the grades just like with any other sport, even in elementary school, you've got to maintain your grades. You have to maintain your, um, your behavior in school or you'll be kicked off the team. Yeah. And yeah. so it's a way for kids who, I mean, we've got, Bullying talking about in school and kids being bullied, and they don't have their group of people taking care of them in school, their friends or a friend group. And this, I think, archery reaches out into a different network of kids and it it brings them in and draws them in and creates a community for them. So, I that is a huge benefit of it, but yeah, I agree with that. That's awesome, it's
0: awesome to see that especially things like music. I, I, I'm going to put music in with archery just because y- there's no like, yeah, some people are probably better at archery or music than others, but anybody can try it. Anybody can do it. Like you yes. know, if you're tall, short, fat, skinny, whatever you can do, you can, you can do archery. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's yep. awesome to see that. Um,
1: yeah. And you see people, whether they stay in archery or not, I mean, you might, like you said, you might not have the skills to go into a competitive um, tournament. You might not have the skills to move into high school with it. But um, some of the stats that I pulled up on it, if if they were in archery, 39 of, 39% of thirty nine of people in this program, of kids in this program, have then gone on to purchase non uh non-competing bows like they've they've ventured into more of a um either hunting or just for the fun of it right. but it's not a, a genesis bow or they've turned into bow hunters or they've turned they've gone into other outdoor it has pushed them into um something that they didn't necessarily know that they were interested in
0: that's awesome that's, yeah because that's one huge thing that we hear a lot about is you know, hunter recruitment and oh, yeah. being able yeah. to continue our, our way of life to, you know, hunting in general, we need more people to pick up guns and bows and go out and hunt and buy, and buy hunting license. And, yeah. uh, if getting kicked off with archery in school is a, you know, as that, that's their first step, then mm-hmm. man, I feel like that's something that w- we really need to focus on.
1: Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree. It's been a great thing for, it's been a great thing for my family to be a part of, but, um, I've noticed the other kids on the team who might not necessarily be, um, I mean, you've got, you've got kids of all different socioeconomic backgrounds that are coming in and they don't necessarily have to buy a bow. My daughter saved up money and worked hard and, and got herself a bow. Um, But there are kids there who can't do that, but they still have access to the bows at school. So each bow, you can't have a sight on it. You can't have markers on it. So it's purely eye. Um, um, You're just using your eyes to sight out where you are, you're aiming. And so there's not a whole lot of equipment to it from elementary school all the way up to high school.
0: So that's that's awesome because it teaches you. Form and
1: 100% actual
0: yes. archery related skills, right? <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. It took me, it took me a little while to go from a bow with a sight to teaching kids how to shoot without, <laughs> without a sight. It's taken me back to the basics, the fundamental right. basics of shooting. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. That's cool, man. Um, yeah. And I take it that, uh, it's also a great way. Cause you said, are you, your daughter is uh-huh. in it and do you coach, your daughter's age group?
1: I do right okay. now. Next year might be different. She's moving up into middle school. And um, and so I might still be coaching elementary while she's moving up. But right now I do. It's a but, bonding. It's absolutely. something we can do together. Yes.
0: Absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, because that's that's what I'm trying to figure out. Like I got a daughter who my daughter, I know she is going to be wanting to go hunting and fishing and do all these yeah. things with me. Now my son he like he hasn't gotten he hasn't gotten interested in like the the hunting portion of it yet and i mean he's only three so it's hard to tell yeah but my daughter like she it's like dad let's go come on i want to go outside i want to dig you know dig for worms or like let's flip over this rock or let's go out looking for deer or whatever My son, I don't know about that, you know, what he's interested in yet, because he's afraid to get dirty.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the three nature. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So let me ask you this. Um,
1: Okay.
0: I always, I always, you know, I, this is a very, like hunting when everybody thinks of hunting, they think of men, right? And then, Mm -hmm. and I say that because my demographics of this podcast and my demographics of my social media are 97% male and yeah. right and uh the rest is female right so mm-hmm. um it's i always find it interesting to see how women were brought into the hunting community because back when i was a kid right my uncles me um, mm-hmm. my my mom would stay at home with a baby. My grandma would stay at home and watch the kids, and the, the boys went out and they went hunting. Right? Yeah, it's like the girls. Yeah. It was like the girls weren't even invited, but it was okay that the girls weren't invited because you know they had other expectations for girls. So I'm yeah. I'm curious to know how how was it growing up in your family, and how did you get into hunting and fishing?
1: Well, well, I. I would say I, I didn't get into hunting until I was an an adult. My brothers got into it probably middle school, um, middle school age, young teens. Um, I don't think it was because they didn't want me there. I just think that it was, I, so both of my dads didn't grow up hunting. Um, my dad and my stepdad, they didn't grow up hunting. And I think that, um, I think that when my brothers came up to the age, I think they all kind of learned together. Gotcha. So I didn't come up in a hunting family. Um, but it just wasn't one of those, oh, Amy might want to go and learn how to hunt. It just wasn't on the radar, I don't think. But I do know of families where um, where the girls weren't. It just wasn't a second thought. Oh, the boys want to go hunting. The boys go hunting. Um, I don't think it's malicious. I don't think it's leaving out. I just don't think it was the, the thought process of it, especially back then.
0: Right. Right. Um, It wasn't that we were trying to exclude you. It was just, it was almost like ignorance. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, it wasn't until truthfully, it wasn't until I had both of my children and my husband would go out hunting and I noticed You get and bring home meat to us for hours, and I'm at home with the kids, which I love my kids, but it would be nice to get away every now and
0: then. I'm (laughs) laughing. I'm laughing because I'm that like. Me and my wife were like, okay, we got three. We need to get out yes. of the house. We, we yeah. got to take a big breath of fresh air. We got to get away for a, a little bit.
1: Yes, it is. It's rock, paper, scissors on who gets to go in, in our household because somebody's got to stay with the kids. Right. Um, and so when he, when he was doing that and the kids were home, I thought, you know, I can do this. I can figure this out. Um, Tennessee requires after a certain age that you have to go through the hunter safety class and there's an archery course and, and, um, and all of that. And so I signed up and I did everything. And I think it was during the summer we were getting stuff ready. And he said, so that's the stand. You want to get up there and see how everything works? And I said, yep. And he showed me how everything works. And the first morning I went hunting, I went all by myself. Um, nobody was with me. I drove up, got all my equipment, got up in the stand and I don't think I saw much of anything the whole first year, yeah. <laughs> which was a little frustrating, but the drive was there and I got comfortable, um, doing it by myself and, and, and enjoying the time that I was out there, which was really
0: nice. You know, that's something that I think is pretty standard across the board is when an adult tries to learn how to hunt, right? Let's say kids, we're we're easy on kids. We say, okay, here's what you got to do. We got to take steps like this. But if I was going to take my wife out hunting, Mm -hmm. I I probably wouldn't like, and and teach her how to hunt deer by herself. Yeah. I probably would be the same way. I wouldn't be as step-by-step detail oriented. I'd be like, okay, you you've practiced shooting your bow or your equipment and yep. uh there's the tree stand Yeah, you know, figure it out like because <laughs> yeah because I think yeah. that's I think that's important
1: it is important and I appreciated that from him um I appreciated that he had enough confidence in me to say hey good luck I've got the kids um have fun, enjoy yourself, call me if you get anything. Right. So um, it was a, it was great encouragement and I appreciated that uh, big time.
0: So how old were you when you would say was when you officially started hunting?
1: I would say I was 34. Okay. 33 when I did the class and then 34 when I started hunting. Okay. Yeah.
0: So only four, four or five years. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So in that period of time, what are some things that you've learned maybe about hunting in general and Mm -hmm. yourself overall?
1: Um, I've learned that it is difficult to wake up really early in the morning. (laughs) Um, but sitting in a stand and watching that sunrise is one of the best things I can ever experience. Um, listening to the, the, the forest wake up and, um, and just experiencing that, whether I get a deer that day or not, it's, it's peaceful and it, I walk away a better person. Um, now the things that I've learned, a always wear a harness, (laughs) always, always wear a harness. Um, I've had a couple of instances where it could have gone one way or another. And I'm very glad that that safety protocols were, were there. Um, we hunt on private land. It's a very, very small plot of land uh, in the city that is bow hunting only. Okay. So um, so I have actually never gun hunted. I would love to. I've, I'm set up to be able to do that if that ever um, arises. I'm comfortable shooting a gun. I've just never had that opportunity. Um, so learning how to bow hunt is a little bit different than gun hunting.
0: Right. Right.
1: Uh, so it's, there are a couple of things that, you know, you've got to watch your scent. You've got to watch, um, your noise. You've got to watch how you move and, uh, you've got to be very patient. So those are the big, those are the big things. I used to be, um, a scrub nurse for cardiac surgery. And so the whole, um, Field dressing was no problem. I think my husband was a little shocked the first time that I just got in there and got it done, and he just stood back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and thought, "Can you do that for mine too?"
0: (laughs) Right, right, right. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Uh, So patience is a is a big one because, and I've talked to I've talked to several people, like men and women, who say, "Man, I like." After that first year, I struggled. I I yeah. saw, I talked to one guy. He's like, I saw two deer, saw mm-hmm. two deer. None of them even came in bow range, two deer yeah. the entire season. And I was a little frustrated and I wanted to give up because I, I didn't have fun that first year. I mean, yeah, I enjoyed nature, but you know, let's be honest with each other. Hunting is going out and trying to have encounters and shoot yes. an animal. Right. Yes. yes. So after that first year uh, with not much success, uh, what was like, was this something that you wanted to continue doing or were you frustrated?
1: I think the competition, because my husband did get stuff that year. (laughs) I think think the competition in me, the, um, the drive was there to, uh, to match him um, the next year. And I did, I didn't see anything. I think there might've been a buck or something that went across way far away that first year. Um, but it wasn't until the second year that, that I actually got my first doe.
0: Nice. And it
1: was everything that I could (laughs) have and more.
0: (laughs) You were pretty jacked.
1: I was, I mean, it was great. It was great. Yeah.
0: Cool. Cool. Walk us, walk us through that story real quick.
1: Oh, it's a really funny story. I almost didn't even get up into the stand. Um, I left one morning in Tennessee, the, our, our hunting season for deer start early. Uh, it's at the end of September. So it's still hot here in the South in September. The bugs are still out. The it's, um, it's not very fun in (laughs) September, um, when you're sweating in a tree stand. Um, but I got there and I had my headlamp on and I looked at the ladder to go up to the stand and it is covered in red ants.
0: Oh,
1: And I can handle a whole lot of things, but red fire ants are not, um, they're not my cup of tea. And so I stood there for a minute wondering, what do I do? I think I texted my husband a couple of swear words and <laughs> I don't know if I can do this. And he pretty much said, you can pull your big girl panties on and get up there. You can come home and get back in bed. <laughs> and he knew that that was the push that I needed, because if he's going to trash talk me, I'm going to get up in the tree. Right. Um, and so I got up there. There was a snake skin. When I got up there, it was just like, everything was against what I was comfortable with. And I sat there for 30 minutes, just imagining all of these ants on top of me. And all of a sudden a doe comes out. And, um, and in a matter of seconds, uh, she was on the ground. And so it was almost like you pushed through, you went into that uncomfortable spot. You, you got, Up in the tree stand and here's the reward.
0: Yeah. That's crazy. It was it's almost like some stereotypical like let's let's find things that really freak girls out. Bugs and snakes and let's let's (laughs) screw with her.
1: (laughs) And I don't I don't mind snakes. The ants, I know that they are smaller than me, but man, up in a tree, I just don't want to be covered in ants. Um the snake I could have I could have dealt with. Um, but the ants, that was I was the words that came out of my mouth as I was climbing that stand. <laughs> no one should ever hear.
0: <laughs> oh, that's funny. So, kind of uh, pivoting here a second. Yes. Um, you had a quite of quite a rare encounter. Um, something that I think uh, the statistic is like one in every twenty thousand whitetails, potentially somewhere on there turns into yeah. be an albino okay yeah I've only seen one albino deer my entire life and it was like there was this one albino deer that used to come visit um, a cornfield near this uh, like uh, near this lake that it, and it was kind of in a housing development right it was popular everybody mm-hmm. everybody would see it they did newspaper articles about it too. And uh, I would drive, you know, every once in a while, I'm driving by, I'd see it, cool, right? I never, I've never, i never seen one while hunting, never seen yeah. one on any of the properties that I hunt. And you had an encounter with one, uh, a 12-point buck, yep. right? Yep. Okay. I did, I did. Now, is was this buck, had it been on the property, like, for several years, or did it just kind of all of a sudden show up?
1: No, it had been in the area, I- Occurred. Um, I didn't know this before I started hunting, or even before that day. Um, after I saw it, I was informed. You know, we've seen it in the area every once in a while. The people that I hunt on their property um, had never seen it, um, and so that day, as it it was an afternoon, it was a beautiful afternoon, and I got up in the tree stand and. I would say not even an hour of sitting there. He just comes walking under my stand.
0: Right. So, and it,
1: yeah. So
0: did you know, like, did you know the rules at that point? Because I know in some states you can shoot them and some states you can't shoot them.
1: I did know the rules because we have a whole herd of piebalds in the area. Okay, and those are legal to shoot. Um, but having done research and looked up everything, and and really made sure I knew everything, I knew that albinos were against the law. Gotcha. Um, and so we we always said, well, if we see a piebald, we're gonna we're gonna shoot it. But albinos, no. I didn't ever there's a difference. I mean, a, a pure white albino dough is beautiful. Yeah. Seeing a pure white albino 12 point buck is majestic. Yeah. It took my breath away. It, it truly took my breath away.
0: That's crazy. So yeah. I, so walk, like when you saw it for the first time, did it, did, I mean, was it just kind of a, a double look like,
1: I didn't know what I was looking at.
0: <laughs> what, what's going on here?
1: <laughs> yeah. I thought, that is a ghost. That is a ghost of an animal, and it has come <laughs> up underneath me, and I am cursed for the rest of time. Um, no, it registered a couple of minutes, and, or a couple of seconds probably, into seeing it. Oh, that is what that is. He hung out with me for about 30 minutes. Wow. Um, he couldn't hear I could move around. I kind of tested it a little bit and he couldn't hear. He never startled. He never, he just grazed. Um, it was, it was neat to watch him move because you could tell he also couldn't see very well because he was very careful with where he placed his feet and he ran into a couple of trees along the way. Oh. Um, so honestly, it, even if he were legal to shoot, I, it kind of takes the sport out of, right out of taking an animal that has that kind of disability. I I know that people say, Oh, well, you know, the genetic, um, legacy that he can leave is probably not great. And you need to take, but, but that kind of, those kind of genes are in Brown dough, Brown bucks. Like they all carry that genetic matter. So it really doesn't matter. Right. Um, one way or another. And it was just enjoyable to watch him hang out.
0: Yeah. Yep. So, was this one of the biggest bucks you've ever seen, like out out there? I mean, because it's a twelve yes. pointer, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. At, at on that property, it was one of the largest that I've ever seen. Um, like I said, it's maybe. I bet we hunt on five to eight acres. Um, there's more around that we can retrieve off of, but where we hunt, it's just a small um, track of land. And so you don't, you're, you're pretty lucky to see what we see as it comes through. And, and I I hunt for meat for my family. Um, but to see him come through, yeah, he was the biggest I've ever seen. He wasn't, um, as meaty, like as big, um, uh, yeah, the body wasn't as big. He, you could tell that he was kind of scrawny. Um, but Rack wise, it was the biggest deer I've ever seen.
0: Right, that's crazy. It's like ah ah ah, I'm huge, but you can't (laughs) shoot me. You know, can't shoot me.
1: (laughs) You can look at me, you can take pictures on your phone, but you can't shoot me.
0: That's right. So you uh, you ended up, you know, obviously had to pass this, but that wasn't the end of your night, though.
1: No, it wasn't. Um, he, He had an eight point, kind of right behind him, come out of the woods and past him. And I, I took the eight point, um, and then the albino just walked on by right after, um, had no idea what had happened, but, uh, it was a great harvest that day. Um, I was able to bring the kids in afterwards and they got to see, you know, how you track where you're going. He only went about 150 yards, but, um, but we were able to track and and find him and and go through the process of field dressing and everything like that. So um, it was the first time the kids were a part of that.
0: Yeah, man, that's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So, and the story doesn't just end here with that albino buck, <laughs> no. right? Um, <laughs> no, it does Because doesn't. you sent me a link. Uh, it got shared on a, a pretty big news station. And uh, so, why don't you just walk us through what happened?
1: So. I saw him the week before Thanksgiving and it was really great. Um, I sent it over to TWRA because, you know, awareness of the law that it's illegal to shoot albinos, um, isn't widely known. And so to have that close of a picture and that, um, the video, it's great to be able to share that and get awareness out. And so TWRA posted it on their Facebook page and I went to Alabama for Thanksgiving, uh, Thanksgiving day, I get a couple of phone calls and texts. Hey, you're on the news. And I thought, well, I didn't know that I was going to be on the news, but that's great. Um, a lot of the local news stations had picked up, uh, the story and had put it on air and, uh, some then Fox News local picked it up and did an article on it, and then I got a new a, a phone call from from National Fox News, and they wanted to do an article on it, and that's when everything went crazy. If you Google my name now, it all all these articles come up, and it went worldwide. It kind of went viral for a little bit,
0: and that was just that you had an encounter, or you were the videographer of this albino deer. I mean, that was just that. Yeah.
1: I think the story kind of centered around, um, the encounter, but also the story of, Hey, in some States it's legal in some States it's illegal. Um, which was my premise for getting it out there, um, was to educate some places. It is some places. It's not, um, it wasn't, it was also, Hey, this is the coolest thing to see. Yeah. Um, and i think that they it was nice to see a female hunter um following rules and being respectful and um just any kind of hunter respecting rules uh of of the law so yeah um
0: and it was something very rare to see right
1: very rare yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
0: but You also had some, did you get some negative kickback as well?
1: (laughs) That is a funny way of saying that there were, there were negative kickbacks on both sides. If this is going to go into, if this article is going to go into areas where, um, hunting isn't as popular, um, the kickback was, oh, well, you just, you know, opened it up to poachers. You just, um, you're a hunter anyway. I mean, some of the language that was used is definitely not repeated um, on here. It, the name calling that it was very negative, but also got some negative on the hunting side of it, of why didn't you shoot it? Well, I would have shot it anyway. Well, and, um, and so it was kind of different to feel backlash on both sides. The biggest thing was when the article says hunter sees albino deer if nobody read the article in the comments it was he 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 in commenting on who the hunter was if they read the article they saw that it was a she
0: gotcha but it
1: was automatically assumed it was a man because of the word hunter uh and that was it was kind of a it wasn't frustrating. It was just kind of sad that they automatically assumed that it was a man instead of a woman. I know that women are the number of women in hunting is rising steadily very fast, um, in our community. And so it was just kind of a bummer to see everybody automatically assume that.
0: Yeah. 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 And all this, because you, shared a picture of a deer, right? Yeah. And it's like the headline could have just been person shares, you know, a person sees rare deer and nothing like nothing more, but you, you add the word hunter in there and it's, it's a, it's a big buzzword for, for some people.
1: Yeah. It automatically, um, it automatically brings the trolls out.
0: Yeah. Oh, for a lack of a better the word, trolls. The trolls. all the trolls.
1: Um, I think I was looking back today before we started the podcast, and I was looking back and searching through, and um, and there were some very hateful things. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I'm sorry, but I'm laughing It's because I read some of those hateful things on uh-huh. on the Fox News article, and it's yeah. just like. Oh man, what rock do some of these people crawl out from under? It's just like yeah. they all they do is it's like it's like they're a fish, right? And someone's jiggling a lure right in front of them that's like, you know, over here, over here. And then they come, uh-huh. they attack, and then they go back to their shadow.
1: Yes. Yeah. And they all come. It's like yeah. a pack of 'em. Right. And uh and yeah, it's I mean, some of them were really funny. Um, some of the comments, you know, that there's a racist comment on there. <laughs> um, about it being a white deer and brown brown deer matter. um and I think it was really funny the first three times. um, but after that it gets a little old yeah, uh, and then oh there boy. were there were a couple comments on I had purposely chosen not to put my picture on there, yeah, because I knew of where it would go, and the picture that they had of me that they wanted to use was of me holding an eight-point buck. Right. And um, and I thought, hey, you know, my first time on Fox News, let's just hold back just a little bit. Right. <laughs> and so the comments that ensued if they knew I was a woman were – Or I if they saw, knew you
0: actually shot the buck that was right behind it, yes. right?
1: Yes. It was, oh, she's probably a toothless opioid
0: right meth right.
1: user <laughs> that <laughs> – like, if you only knew <laughs> if you only knew, um uh, that's funny, so some of them were really funny to look through,
0: well, and the good thing is no matter what uh what the comments were, you're still gonna go out hunting next year, yeah, and the year after that, and the year after that, and the year after yeah. that, and uh yeah. they're gonna be still trolls, <laughs> yes.
1: They're not changing my mind. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. They're not changing my mind. Well, that's no. cool. That's,
0: I mean, that's something. That's something cool to see. Uh, is that deer still around that you know of?
1: Yeah, they've seen him. I know the, the property owners have seen him once or twice more. He's so he's so protected in that area. Like I said, it's in the city. Um, shooting guns is is not acceptable in the city limits, and not too many people archery hunt so um with it being surrounded by private property it it's kind of hard it would be very difficult for him to be
0: hurt right okay yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense makes a lot of sense well cool hey the last thing you wanted me to talk about here on the podcast today was tennessee and cwd
1: oh yeah yeah
0: yep so Um, you know, obviously CWD is a big thing, right? Everywhere. I mean, it's starting to pop up more and more places, right? The more we do these, these tests, the more places it pops up. Um, What's, what's the, the deal? Uh, why did you want me to bring this up?
1: Um, well, I know that, you know, they just had, um, a whole lot of articles come out. Uh, what is it? They said zombie deer. Yep. Um, and, I think that there's a seriousness around it, but I think that there's also, um, there's also going too far in scaring. Um, I think that there's a healthy respect for it that we need to have. And yes, it's, I was talking with a friend of mine, Joe Benedict, who is, uh, TWRA's wildlife and forestry chief, um, And he has said over and over, it might be the biggest wildlife crisis that we will face for decades, and it probably will be. Um, But our biggest problem is that we have to get the awareness of it out to outdoorsmen and to the public, not in a way of scaring the pants off of people, but of, hey, this this is out there. These are the parameters that you need to work around. This is what you need to do in order to be safe. And since hunters, um, are the number one, uh, they, we have the number one greatest impact, right? Like we are the ones who help monitor it. We are the ones who, um, who help control the disease because without us, the disease would wipe out the population of deer. Um, it would take over if we're not managing the numbers. And so, um, I think it's just, I don't think that it needs to scare hunters away from hunting like that's, we have a part in it. We have, it's not just the wildlife management. It's not just, um, biologists or whoever else is working on it. We as hunters have a huge impact on this and, uh, yeah, we need to be safe. We've got it in a couple of counties in West Tennessee, my family hunt, um, hunt those, one of those counties and there are parameters around it. You, you don't take carcasses over those lawns. Yep. You get everything tested. Um, you're just, it, there's so much awareness that needs to be put out there. Uh, and it will keep us safe. It will keep the deer on the outside of those boundaries, um, hopefully contained, um, but we do, we, I think that, um, I think T, TWRA here in Tennessee, I think that they are doing a great job. I think they get a bad rep. Um, but I think that they are doing the best that they can. And I think that they're doing a great job informing people and keeping people informed and doing what they're supposed to be doing. So absolutely.
0: absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and just kind of a reminder to all the listeners out there, you know, when it comes to CWD, you shouldn't be getting your information off of social media. You should be getting yeah. your information uh from places like the Quality Deer Management Association, the yeah. National Deer Alliance, and other legit news sources, right? And it's yeah. it's it sucks because you would think Fox News or some of these places that are spreading the zombie deer. Uh, Apocalypse, yeah, right. Yeah, those aren't yeah. like they're not the number one resource for information no. for CWD, so don't take anything no. that they say serious either. No. Like I said, QDMA National Deer Alliance. That there, you're going to find out a ton of information about CWD and the facts about it, not opinions, yeah. but the facts.
1: Nick was uh, Nick from NDA. He put out a an article. Was it this week or last week? Um, that josh honeycutt wrote did you see that on realtree.com um it was it was actually an article on why cwd shouldn't scare hunters away from hunting it's a great article and um and i do i think that all of them are doing a great job getting the information out but like you said the social media hypes it up and makes it this big huge scary thing and yes it's a serious problem but fear isn't going to it's not going to fix it
0: yep, absolutely. <laughs> by any means. Absolutely. Mm. Well, yep. I tell you what, Amy Hall, I really appreciate you hopping on the podcast and chatting today.
1: It was fun. It was a blast. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much, miss Amy Hall for hopping on the podcast and chatting with us today. Huge shout out to all of you. And I mean it every single one of you for taking time out of your day to listen and download the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast and all the other podcasts on the Sportsman's Nation podcast network. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel, right? We got the Sportsman's Nation has a YouTube channel. Um, Southern Ground guys are putting out a ton of awesome video content. We have recipes on the Sportsman's Nation. We have podcasts. We have blog articles. There is so much information, and now it's coming out at a daily basis, right? Just content over content and it's all content that as hunters and fishermen we love to do so uh, i'm looking forward to uh, the future with that Go visit us and like and share and uh, you know if you're if you like the podcast man be sure to subscribe to it so you're getting everything to your phone right uh, social media Instagram Facebook make sure you're subscribing to not only the Nine Finger Chronicles but the Sportsman's Nation as well and all the other you know content providers on the Sportsman's Nation A huge shout out to all of the podcasters or the the podcasters the sponsors of this show and that is exodus trail cameras ozonic scent elimination wasp broadheads lone wolf tree stands deer lab prime archery ripcord arrow rest and hunter safety system guys please go out and support the companies that support this podcast because if it wasn't for them this would not be possible so you know go check them out other than that guys Thank you very much. Have a great weekend. And if you're going to be in a tree, please wear your damn safety harness. Have a good weekend.